The reports had been on the radio all day, though she hadn't paid much attention to them. Some crazy man had escaped from the state asylum. They were calling him the Hook Man, since he had lost his right arm and had it replaced with a hook. He was a killer, and everyone in the region was warned to keep watch and report anything suspicious. But this didn't interest her. She was more worried about what to wear on her date. After several consultation calls with friends, she chose a blue outfit in the very latest style and was ready and waiting on the porch when her boyfriend came to pick her up in his car. They went to a drive-in movie with another couple, then dropped them off and went parking in the local lover's lane. The blue outfit was a hit, and she cuddled close to her boyfriend as they kissed to the sound of romantic music on the radio. Then the announcer came on and repeated the warning she had heard that afternoon. Suddenly, the dark, moonless night didn't seem so romantic to her. The lover's lane was secluded and off the beaten track, a perfect spot for a deranged madman to lurk, she thought, pushing her amorous boyfriend away. Maybe we should get out of here, she said. That hook man sounds dangerous. Uh, come on, babe. It's nothing, her boyfriend said, trying to get in another kiss. She pushed him away again. No, really. We're all alone out here. I'm scared, she said. They argued for a moment. Then the car shook a bit, as if something or someone had touched it. She gave a shriek and said, Get us out of here now! Jeez, her boyfriend said in disgust, but he turned the key and went roaring out of the lover's lane with a screeching of his tires. They drove home in stony silence, and when they pulled into her driveway, he refused to help her out of the car. He was being so unreasonable, she fumed to herself. She opened the door indignantly and stepped into her driveway with her chin up and her lips set. Whirling around, she slammed the door as hard as she could. And then she screamed. Her boyfriend leapt out of the car and caught her in his arms. What is it? What's wrong? He shouted. Then, he saw it. A bloody hook hung from the handle of the passenger side door. The Hook, Urban Legend 
Adapted from AmericanFolklore.net by J. Ramcharan. The audio play was produced and performed by J. J. Ramcharan. The entire production was under the supervision of Jonathan Ramcharan. Did my graveyard smash? He did the mash. He did the monster mash. I was working in my lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. From my lab, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. Ow! 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 It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 31st (laughs) in the year of our Lord, 2019. Save me, Jesus. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Zombie rooster. Happy Halloween, motherfuckers. How you doing, folks? If you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 18 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. You know, as today is Halloween, this is the morning of Halloween Fucking bright and early, 12.46 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Got me thinking, you know, as I am a raging thespian, never mind the dictionary, folks, a thespian is basically an actor, right? It's another word for an actor. It's a synonym for actor. So as a raging thespian, you know, it's actually quite odd. I'm not really into costumes all that much, you know? Halloween got me thinking on that because, you know, coming up in the world as an actor, you know, I've had the chance to wear various costumes, negligees, things like that along the lines in my acting career. And like, yo, I've just never really been big on them. Even though I think costumes, wardrobe, makeup, all that stuff is very important in the uh, performing world. It really adds a accent to a uh, to a performance, to a production. You know, the value of costume and makeup is huge. But um, just as a pedestrian, I've never really been into like Halloween dressing up so much. Maybe when I was a kid, but like the last time I dressed up for Halloween, I was like a teenager, and I didn't even wear a costume. Rather, the last time I went trick-or-treating, I didn't even wear a costume. I was just like, trick-or-treat, angry black teenager. Is that a costume? No, it's more of a social profile. But um, I was wearing that angry black teenager costume back in 2000. And uh, that was the last time I went trick-or-treating. And uh, that was pretty much the last costume I wore, more or less, you know. Angry black teenager. And, uh, but you know, over my acting career, I've had the blessing to wear several different costumes. Um, you know, if you're new to the show, 
uh, I speak on uh, my times in the children's theater. I did children's theater at one point, and you know, I wore a costume. I wore a dog costume. You know, it dressed me up like a dog. Had to roll around on the floor with a flea collar on. You know. Bow wow wow and woof 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 and this is how I talk. <laughs> Got me in a fucking flea collar, you know. Let's see, what else did I wear? Um, oh, I went as a wrestler once for this uh, fringe festival I was doing. My buddy from my buddy from college, he wrote this cool little sketch comedy review. And some of the characters were these uh, wrestlers, those Mexican luchadors with those really uh, flagrant masks. So I walked around in, uh, I guess, downtown Toronto, or sorry, downtown Edmonton, Alberta, Strathcona area. If y'all are from Edmonton, Alberta, and you can recognize that area, old Strathcona where the Fringe Festival is put on every year. And uh, I was walking around in this luchador mask, right? I don't even know how the luchador sounds, right? Anyway, I was walking around like that in a luchador mask. I didn't have a Speedo on, though, luckily. No Speedo, but that was pretty cool. Oh, God. This is probably the worst experience I had in makeup in a costume. So there I am in college. I'm in this horrible production of Shakespeare, As You Like It. Whatever that plays about, I don't even really remember. It's about, like, young love in the forest. <laughs> young love in the forest. As You Like It, right? Shakespearean play. My character is like a duke or a governor or one of those hoity-toity, you know? Oh, I say, Jeeves. Like all those, that old English fucking douchebag. You know, with like the leotards and the the white wig and the real imperial looking dress coat, petticoat. So I'm dressed up like this fucking doorknob, right? And I'm dating this girl, right? This very nice girl. I don't even know how, you know, I was such a douchebag in high in, in in college, so it was strange that I even had a girlfriend, but I'm dating this real nice girl. And um unbeknownst to me. She brings her mother to the show. This third-rate, hack-whack-ass fucking Shakespeare production. I'm dressed up like this fucking regal doorknob and this fucking tights and this stupid puffy collar and all that shit. Fucking moron. So I go backstage and all of a sudden, you know, my girlfriend pops around the corner. She's like, oh, hi, Jonathan. Um, meet my mother. You know, her mother's standing there staring at me. I'm in a fucking petticoat, fucking tights, frilly little thing around my neck. I'm like, oh, hi, uh, banging your daughter. Uh, uh. And, you know, it's it was just so fucking stupid. And, you know, that was awkward, you know, meeting a meeting a girlfriend or a boyfriend's parent when you're in a fucking Shakespearean wardrobe dressed up in drag. Ugh. So, you know, like, as I said, I got a lot of flashbacks during Halloween when it comes to costumes. But, um, you know, it's very fun. I love seeing the little kids run around, you know. Kids are running around. 
kids running around all goofed up on fucking candy, you know, trick or treat. I like seeing, you know, friends, colleagues, adults dressed up and excited in their little costumes and, you know, it's it's cool. But, you know, one of the blessings of being a uh, struggling artist, so to speak, is uh, every day is Halloween. I act like a fucking weirdo every fucking day of the year, so it's like I don't need a designated day for it. But I do enjoy the holiday, I do enjoy this time of year, so it's always a cool little treat. So there you have it, Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. I am also a alcoholic. Yep, an alcoholic. (sighs) Two years, 11 months of sobriety. Um, you know, Halloween's definitely one of those holidays. It's one of them drinking holidays. Buy, boys and girls, you know, get drunk. Go out dressed like Super Mario Brothers, whatever the fuck it is. Floats your boat. And, um, it's definitely one of those holidays. And, um, you know, I guess I don't really think too much about it anymore. Like, through the grace of recovery... Um, I went into a 12-step program, and that's nothing official. You don't have to give any personal information. You don't have to have any sort of belief system. Like, I personally believe in God. I, I, have, an higher, I have a higher power of my own belief, but that's not something that's pushed upon you or enforced upon you in any kind of uh, 12-step program. What it is is a, it's a place for you to attend meetings on a daily basis, you get to share on issues affecting you and, and your sobriety, and you get to hear from others on what's going on in their life with their sobriety. And day by day, those days add up, and then you find yourself in a new day, in a new life, in a sober lifestyle. And, um, you know, so then you don't have to worry so much about these drinking holidays because. You get more grounded in yourself. You're not so stressed out around Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you don't get stressed out around potential drinking days. (laughs) Because there's always an excuse to drink. And then you're strong in recovery and uh, you just rock with it. One thing I'm dealing with right now is, um, you know, alcoholism. Alcoholism, uh, a lot of people believe, is antisocial, self-centered behavior. You know, the self-importance, the self-occupied person, uh, which isn't always necessarily um, people in alcoholism or addiction. I mean, that's just like human nature. You know, people are, we live in a cynical world where people are motivated by self interest but that's definitely a trademark of the alcoholic is um ego self-centeredness and um part of recovery is stripping away all that horse shit and being accountable for yourself and your actions and taking interest in your fellows your fellow uh man or woman or in between and uh (laughs) you know living a more um humble lifestyle slice a humble pie. And I've been noticing lately like my ego, my self-importance has been creeping back a bit in regards to 
I get a little bit more heated up when like, you know, let's say I'm at the grocery store and some dummy tries to sidle in next to me when it's like, yo, can't you obviously understand how a fucking lineup works? Am I to assume this is your first experience ever standing in a grocery store lineup? Would you back the fuck up and get behind me, fool? I'm obviously the next person in line. Stop hovering at my fucking elbow. Stop trying to creep ahead of me. I'm next in the lineup, motherfucker. It's me. It's me. It's me all fucking goddamn day. It's me. Right? Ego. Self-importance. It's not about me. None of that is about me. That's about them. If they're too stupid to understand how a lineup works, you stand behind the person in front of you, you wait your turn. If they're too stupid to understand that, that's not an imposition on me. That's not something lacking in me. I don't have to take offense. I don't have to take it personally. You know, I'm not special, whatever. If people want to be that way, that's 100% about them. So let them go. Let the clowns go. It's Halloween for God's sakes. Let the clowns go. (laughs) So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan. Alcoholic. See, it's Halloween. You could tell, man. You can hear like drunk neighbors bumbling around. It's like fucking one o'clock in the morning. These adult neighbors of mine are like, (laughs) can you hear them? Thank God those days are over. I guarantee you they did nothing. Maybe they're going to get a blowjob or maybe they're going to get fucked tonight. But like what's on the other side of creeping around at all hours just because you're drunk? Ooh, the excitement of some sloppy drunken sex. Oh, yay. Wow, the drunken sexual hangover. Ooh. Okay, maybe I'm a little jealous. But anyways, um, I am also a janitor. Yes. Um, uh, business as usual I'm happy for it it facilitates a lot of things in my life pays the bills covers my overhead keeps me in the game of acting there's expenses like anything else and it's kind of just business as usual lately you know I can sum it up like this it's just one reject after another Can you relate to that in your job, you know, whatever you're doing? I'm assuming there's some kind of face-to-face with the public, the customer, the consumer, or the co-worker, or the upper management team, whatever. The face-to-face in a working environment. I I can sum it up like this. It's just one reject after another. Every time I turn around as a janitor, um, excuse me, sir, um, can you check this out for me? Can you clean this for me? Oh, hey there, buddy. Uh, I noticed in the bathroom, uh, the toilet paper. Um, excuse me, over here. Um, excuse me, over there. Um, um, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Every time I fucking turn around, it's just one reject after another. (laughs) And as I'm an alcoholic and as I'm an actor, like I mentioned, yo, I gotta check the ego and just be like, whatever, you know? I find it astounding because in my life, um, how I'm living it now, I do unto others as I'd like to have done unto myself. The golden rule. 
Jesus taught us that, you know? They teach you that in recovery. Do unto others as you will do unto yourself. Why the fuck are you poking your nose in my business? Why are you talking at me? Why are you imposing upon me? I don't do that to people. The last thing I ever want to do is impose on a person and dictate to people. I'm not coming to... I'm not going to impose in anybody's life, get in anybody's business. That ain't my bag of tricks. So it baffles me when people do it to me because it's like, yo, like, what mountaintop are you on? Like, what delusion are you playing in your head? Like, you aren't my boss. Do I have to spell it out for you? You know something? There's only one thing in this world that gives orders. Boss. You know what your problem is? You know what a hossa is, Frank? That's a pig. They don't quite fly straight. Fly, pelican. The only thing in this world that gives orders is boss. Who you calling a monkey, huh? Who you calling a monkey, huh? I told you once a long time ago, Tony, you little monkey. The only thing in this world that gives orders is boss. So that's why I get baffled sometimes as a janitor when people come babbling at me. Blah, 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 just one reject after another. The most exciting thing that's been happening lately, <laughs> that happened lately, is we have this, uh, I have a coworker who's, um, he's on the spectrum. He has uh, special needs. Sweet kid. His name's Um, hi there, my name's I, I really must go now. Oh shit, I'm not supposed to drop names. Ah, who gives a fuck? His name's Sweet kid. And, um, you know, he's like, oh, I really must go now. Oh, I, I, I can't be here. Uh. And the other day he comes up to me and he goes, I was cleaning the garbage bins outside and there was a raccoon hiding in the bin. I was like, what? Oh, you, caught, you, what, what, you, you caught a raccoon? Yeah, there was a raccoon in the garbage bin. I was like, really? And he showed me a picture. So I was like, oh. It's pretty exciting, right? And everybody's like, did you hear there's a raccoon in the garbage bin? I'm like, holy shit, you know, we're getting attacked by raccoons. You know, so it's not always the easiest being a janitor. You know, there's a lot of wildlife, all sorts of fucking bullshit to watch out for. So I guess that was like the most exciting thing I can impart. But other than that, it's just been reject after reject. You know how it is, right? If you're working. But hey, yo, like I said, I'm blessed for the blessing. You know, all I do is I push my little mop bucket. Dunk my mop in the mop water. Then I mop the floor. You know? Uh, Push my garbage trolley. You know, changing waste bins, organic waste bins, paper bins. Um, You know, washing windows. You know, uh, washing windows. uh, You know... uh, Key sets, janitorial key sets for all sorts of broom closets, uh, waste bin uh, closets, you know, janitorial cubby holes, you know, I got my fucking key set. You know, the ladies love it. See that jingling around? (gasps) He's important. So there you have it, Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Ten years of service coming into my 11th year pretty soon as a stand-up comedian. Uh, Yeah, 
pretty blessed as well. Was speaking to a friend on the phone or Facebook time or whatever you call it. Well, that's what you call it, Facebook time. I was on Facebook time or whatever, FaceTime with a friend. And we were just talking about shit. And I was telling him about what I'm doing and, you know, busting my chops, busting my humps on the podcast, uh, doing this, doing that. Got a few plans for some gigs coming up and uh, feeling pretty good. But then he mentioned something along the lines of, oh, could you perhaps take more risks? You know, he wasn't really jabbing at me or like questioning me or anything. But he, he said something along the lines of like, oh, what about taking more risks to do more shows or get yourself out on the road or this, that and the other, right? Can't be mopping toilets forever, right? So then I'm like, hmm, and I started thinking about it because, you know, I've been busting my hump, you know, it ain't no fucking walk in the park producing this podcast every motherfucking week. It's a blessing. It's fun as hell. But, um, you know, it is it, it, it is work. So the podcast, um, some of the little endeavors I have coming up in my acting uh, life, some other goals I have in comedy for now, it takes work. But then I started thinking about it. Hmm, yeah, you know, like I could benefit from some more risk taking. You know, you know, that's that's and that's what I try to do. I try to remain open minded, open minded to my life in general, but also my career. You know what I mean? Got to keep open minded because um, it's a it's a it's a rule of life. It's not a rule, but it's it's a great um guiding factor in life open-mindedness and you know I heard my friend say that and I felt like I was taking a lot of risks I feel like I am taking a lot of risks trying to put myself out there the YouTube channel the podcast iTunes Spotify Twitter all the venues that I put my shit out on and um, all the endeavors that I try to do make happen in my city Toronto the six you know, I try to get out there, produce my own shows and stuff. But the truth is, I could be taking more risks. And why not? You know, why the fuck not? That's being industrious. That's being ambitious. You know, so for sure, going to try to wrangle up some more risk. You know, it's healthy, right? So there you have it, folks. That sums me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor. Stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, that risk thing really had me thinking. Because it, it is a lot. It is kind of like... Remember in Inception? In Inception? The film. The film by Christopher Nolan. With uh, Leo DiCaprio. Ellen Page. Uh, the other kid from Third Rock from the Sun. Joseph Gordon-Levitt probably some other folks. You remember that film? Um, when I think about how I take risks sometimes in show business, just trying to get things done, it's a lot like that scene in Inception when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is trying to recruit a new dream architect. So then he approaches Alan Page's character and goes, okay, I need you to make me up a bunch of mazes in 10 seconds or whatever, 30 seconds. So she starts tracing all those different mazes, right? 
And he's go, he goes, you know, he crumples one after the other up, right? He crumples them up. Gotta do better than that. Gotta do better than that. Gotta do better than that. And he's just crumpling up uh, her, her work. <laughs> That's the life of a performer, man. Every time you turn around. Do better than that. Do better than that. Do better than that. So, um, you know, definitely been taking a lot of risks, busted my hump, but it's always good to keep pushing yourself. So, yeah, been thinking about that this week. Since we last spoke, um, Justin Trudeau, congratulations. I'm not going to clap for you, but uh, congratulations, Mr. Trudeau. He remains the Prime Minister of Canada. Thank you, Canada. Thank you so much. And I just want to thank the Canadian people for re-electing me as Prime Minister. And I'm going to continue to fight for you and your needs and your wants in 2020 and beyond. You know, and please again excuse my little blackface fucking routine. I know it's Halloween. I might be tempted to do it again. You know, who knows what I'm going to go for as Halloween this year. But, um, you know, please excuse my little blackface, brown face, turban-having little escapade. And uh, thank you very much, Canada. Fucking Justin Trudeau, that fucking blue-eyed, fucking brown face, blackface, turban-having, turban-huffing, fucking pundit. Yeah, he's in the driver's seat still. But hey, congratulations. Um, uh, his little escapade there with the black face and the brown face uh, photos and videos that surfaced. That too falls into the world of, um, well, not too because I hadn't mentioned it in this episode, but uh, it falls in, you know, the whole cancel culture world. Where people are digging up skeletons from the past. <laughs> Halloween. Dicking up dicking up <laughs> dicking up skeletons from the past. Dicking up bones from the past. And um I don't know. Like he's a swarmy fuck, that's for certain. I don't think he actually connects with a lot of people as much as he likes to try to. He's a swarmy entitled fuck. But he ain't the worst thing on the menu, so um eh. Let's see what happens. Congratulations, Mr. Trudeau. And uh, whatever. Keep on rocking in the free world. Uh, it's nice that uh, the election has come to an end because I've been on the campaign trail following things, reading things, went out and voted last week. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a roller coaster. But, you know, now it's over and done with. Um, and as always, we move on to another day. And... In my opinion, he's not the worst thing on the menu. It's just kind of stupid with that transatlantic pipeline. The pipeline. I believe it's the transatlantic pipeline. It's like, you know, the writing's on the wall in terms of the environment. Like, you can't be doing these band-aid solutions to these industries. Because it's like, um, it's like, it's like, it's like um, appeasing the Nazis when they marched into Poland or whatever the fuck it was. Was that how it happened? When they appeased Hitler, when he uh, took over some country and then at, at some point it all broke and they had to fucking put a can of whoop ass on him. Is that a good Hitler impression? I don't know. But like, 
that's what I mean. It's like you can't be appeasing no motherfuckers or they're just going to fucking goose step over your back, man. And with this transatlantic pipeline, it's like, yo, dude, one and done. It's got to be done with. All this fucking shit, like the environment, global warming, uh, fucking all that shit. Climate change. What do they call it? Climate change? Yeah, it's totally an issue. And yo, like, I don't, I don't know, man. And that's, that's kind of where I kind of had beef with the Liberal Party. They're just a little bit short-sighted, you know. And all the, you know, their little political campaign to appease certain segments of the country is, it's really, oh, it's, it's really like a political move rather than what is good for the goose and good for the gander, in my opinion. It's like, dude, it's a band-aid solution. If you're going to address an issue, address an issue. Don't blow no fucking um, dragon feathers up my ass about how, well, well, it's business and things have to be mitigated and relegated and delegated and blah, 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 blah. That's just a babbling bureaucracy. If there's an issue, deal with it. Climate change. You know, global warming. Yeah. It's an issue and it needs to be dealt with. You can't be doing these little band-aid solutions of, well, we're going to taper back this and hopefully we're going to get to a goal of a... Shut the fuck up. You know? But, hey, what do I know? You know? But, hey, whatever. While we still have a beautiful uh, environment, while we still have a beautiful landscape of the world... There was an inspiring little article that was in the newspaper as of late. Nepal man shatters record for scaling world's highest peaks. This is from the Toronto Star Metro. Uh, Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. Kathmandu, Nepal. A Nepalese man shattered the previous mountaineering record for successfully climbing the world's 14 highest peaks, completing the feat in 189 days. Nirmal Perja scaled the 8,027-meter Mount Shishapangma in China on Tuesday, which was the last of the 14 peaks that are more than 8,000 meters in height. The previous record for climbing the 14 peaks was 7 years, 10 months, and 6 days. Wow, so he shaved the fuck out of that. It was set by South Korean climber Kim Chang-ho in 2013. Mingma Sherpa of 7 Summit Treks in Kathmandu, which equipped the expedition, said the 36-year-old Purja was in good health and safely descending from the summit. Climbing experts called the record a momentous achievement in mountaineering history. Yeah. So this dude, um, he climbed um, Mount Annapurna on April 23rd, Mount Delaragria on May 12th, Mount Kanchechajunga on May 15th, Mount Everest on May 22nd, Mount Lost on May 22nd, same day? Get the blood clot fuck out of here. Mount Makahua on May 24th and Mount Mansawala 
on September 27th. I don't even know where any of those fucking places are, but this asshole's been climbing mountains. And there's a picture of him, right? And he's, you know, you think he'd smile after you climb the fucking mountain. He's pretty stoic looking, pretty stoic, you know, fucking sniveling little look on his fucking face. But hey, I guess after you've been fucking humping it up a mountain for fucking a month, you got a right to be a little bit exhausted, I guess. But um, he's holding this little flag that says Project Possible, 14 peaks, seven months. Yeah. So this dude, uh, Nirmal Persia. Yeah. Yeah. Insp- I don't know if that's inspiring or tiring. I don't know what to think of that. I'm like, does that make me want to climb a mountain or just climb back into bed, you know? But hey, you know, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. While we still have a beautiful world, while there's still um, no, uh, while we still aren't having the polar ice caps melting or whatever the hell it is, right? We still have mountains to climb. So, hey, for now, pretty cool story. Also something in the news, uh, this one is a not as inspiring. Uh, uh, yes. Trial begins for two brothers, one a Toronto cop, into an attack on Defonte Miller in Whitby. 2016. Yes, so this is an ongoing police brutality case coming out of um, Whitby, Ontario. Um, You know, it's a long article, so I'm going to basically sum it up like this. There was a young black teenager, Defonte Miller. Apparently, he and a couple friends one or two friends, it's kind of unclear. Apparently, they were breaking into cars. Apparently. And apparently, they broke into the car of this off-duty police officer, um, Michael Thoreau, I believe his name is. Uh, Michael, yes, Michael Thoreau, Thoreau. T-H-E-R-I-A-U-L-T, Thoreau, and his younger brother, Christian Thoreau. So apparently, Stefante Miller broke into their car. Michael Thoreau and Christian Thoreau come out and just beat the shit out of this kid. Like, within an inch of his life. Like, uh, maybe not within an inch of his life, but severely beat him to the point in which the kid lost an eye. The orbital bone in his face was busted, nose busted, and he had to get his eye removed. So this off-duty cop, Michael Thoreau, and his younger brother, just some civilian, Christian Thoreau, they beat the shit out of this young black kid for allegedly breaking into his car. Whether or not that's even true, who knows? But even if it is true, excessive force, malicious insanity, aggravated assault, and... uh, Yeah, it's just a real disheartening case um, because it's just another echo of the ugliness of the world we live in. And, you know, you would expect more out of a officer of the law. You know what I mean? 
I mean, to smash a kid's face in to the point in which he has to get reconstructive eye surgery and loses his eye. Like, yo, like, I could even understand if they beat the shit out of him. Like, let's let's say that it's true. He did break into his their car, his car, one of the office or the one of the brothers' car. Let's say it's true. I could even understand a little like an ass beating, you know, like I could understand it. But it's like they maliciously beat down a teenager, a fucking teenager. And there's such a racial overtone to it, such an overstep in the law. And, um, yo, it all actually in all charges were dropped actually as well, because, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of what DeFonte Miller is charged with, uh, I'm, I'm skimming here for the, uh, um, yeah, he was originally DeFonte Miller was originally charged with, uh, theft under 5,000. Something other, something or else, blah, blah, blah. But those charges have been dropped. So it's like... I don't even know what that means. Does that mean that it was all just a fabrication then? That he wasn't um, breaking into this car? That these cops just... This off-duty cop and his brother just attacked this young black man and beat the shit out of him for no fucking reason? Like, I don't know what that means. And... uh you know, it's an ongoing case. You know, they're in court. Uh, what does it say? The trial begins. The, the trial began yesterday, I believe. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Keep updated on that one, you know. Um, I don't know. I just think it's ugly, obviously, you know. And, um, hmm. That's what's so heavy about issues sometimes. It's like, they're unsightly. You know, it's just like you hear something and it's just like unsettling. And you don't know what to make of it other than just like, wow, pure evil, huh? <laughs> Beating someone with an inch of their life and um, to the point in which they have to have their eye removed. But hey, you know, it was a car after all, you know? You know, you don't fuck with another man's car. Anyway. So, yeah. Those are the things that are kind of... Um, on the, on a happier note, like, those are... I mean, that's an isolated incident. Obviously, the world's working for more... I don't know what you want to call it. Inclusivity. Tolerance, you know, working to get along better with each other. There ain't no easy answer for any of this horseshit, is there? It's like you just want to, all we can do really is keep people accountable for their actions and keep accountable for our own actions. You know what I mean? I mean, what else can you do? You know, I'm, I'm about solutions in my daily life. So it's like, I, I try to look for solutions and there is a major solution in accountability. 
So that that's why these stories are important, that they are heard and they come out and people talk about them. And these issues come to light because that's how people are held accountable through discussion. And that's how people learn. So, but I don't know. It's just, hmm. Um, but hey, like I said, at least those are, at least that's just the only thing that really struck me in the news lately. I mean, they killed uh, the head of ISIS. <laughs> We're free. We're safe. Yeah, they they killed the leader of ISIS. Um, Fake news. Um, we went in there, and I'm telling you, it was one of the best. Um, okay, like when it comes to murdering a terrorist leader, we went in there like no other, and we killed that ISIS having motherfucker. I'm telling you right now, and uh, winning, winning the war against fake news, and um, it was just a complete witch hunt. We saw that from the beginning. But um, we went in there, we dominated, and I'm telling you, it was one good terrorist murder. So congratulations to the United States uh, of America. They lopped the head off of ISIS, whatever that means. Who knows what other terrorist cells will spring from that. But uh, at least there's that uh, sense of um, accomplishment in dethroning, uh, you know, a very ugly terrorist. So, um, whatever the fuck his name is. So, you know, I guess those are some of the things going on in the world. <laughs> but hey, you know, um, what's going on in my personal life? Um, it's like, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, um, relationships, any type of relationship, whether it be a friend or a loved one, or a spouse, um, or a relation, a relative. Um, There's something to be said about people that don't see the point. They don't see the point. There's something to be said about those type of people. Recently, I've been dealing with a uh, relative... Now, this person, um, we have a bit of a, you know, it's not all honky-dory in our past. There's a little bit of beef. And I feel largely on the other person's part. I feel like my side of the street is pretty clean in regards to the situation. I don't got no skeletons or bones about it. I feel pretty innocent in the situation. Now, this person... They have this backstory with me. And they pop out of the woodwork recently and they send me this email about how they want to get in contact with me and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And I'm reading it and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this person just doesn't see the point. Can you relate to that? Like, when you got these people in your life that just come at you with shit. And it's just like, yo, like, don't you see the point? Well, that's the issue. They don't see the point. And that's what's frustrating about dealing with them. And it's like, I kind of realized in that moment, it's like, until they do see the point, I can't move forward with them. And not to say that my point is right, but we all are allowed to have boundaries in our life. 
And when people overstep their boundaries with you, you are able to hold them accountable to that. You know, when it comes to you and your personal space, your personal peace of mind, what you are willing to allow in and out of your life, when it comes to you and your needs, you are allowed to make those type of decisions. And I've decided that until this person sees the point, the point in my perspective, the things that I need, the things that I think I've made fairly clear to them, until they can see that point, I can't really move forward with them. You know? It's like beating a dead horse. It's like beating a dead horse repeatedly till you bust its eye out of its socket. You know? It's like beating a dead horse. So it's like, yo... And I got to thinking that this week, so I think it's important. And, you know, thought I'd speak on that. And, um, but hey, back to the fun trick-or-treat of it all, right? Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a very beautiful fall here in Toronto, man. And a couple of days ago, there was a real spooky kind of morning, real foggy. Just, you know, I was walking through this park and they had the old school tall lantern posts. You know, like it looked like, you know, like Jack the Ripper type of like, um, what do you call them? Like light posts, you know? <sighs> you know, like it looked real kind of, you know... um eerie i'll post a picture on the website but like you know there's these tall light posts and it was all foggy in the trees and (gasps) kind of eerie if you liked some of the uh recording off the top of this podcast um the hook if you like that do dip back into the catalog of jonathan ramchand on the podcast and um i did a similar thing last year at halloween um Tales from the Crypt. I did a rendition of an EC Comics uh, episode. So that was pretty cool. A little bit of a uh, horror audio play, I guess you would classify that as. So yeah, check it out. Episode, um, I think like 48 or something. But anyways, I have it in the JR the Snips. JR the P Snips on my YouTube page. You could check out Tales from the Crypt. Uh, along the lines of what I did on the beginning of this podcast. So yeah, that was pretty cool. But Halloween always sparks those those kind of eerie, creepy time of year for me, man. The Headless Horseman. <laughs> Do you remember the Headless Horseman? The Walt Disney version? Who's that walking down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? Lean and lanky, skin and bone. It's the old schoolmaster. What's his name? Ichabod. Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, what a name. (laughs) That shit used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Shiver me timbers. I had a very vivid imagination. Still do, I guess, to some point. Or maybe it's just like a hangover delusion. But like, um, I remember like we would read The Headless Horseman during like Halloween in grade three, and it would frighten me so much, it would terrify me so much, 
the idea of like a headless horseman, like something without a head, that like, it was terrifying to the point in which I had to be removed from the class. Like I had to get a note from my mother saying, please excuse Jonathan from class. He's a little too much of a pussy for this. And I had to go sit in the hallway while they read the headless horseman. It really scared me. And, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, he scared me too. Remember the story about Rumpelstiltskin? Fucking little weirdo guy who spun straw into gold and then tried to eat that chick's like firstborn child or whatever the fuck it was. You owe me a firstborn child. Rumpelstiltskin. It's fucking terrifying. You know? So, you know, I don't know if I like Halloween. I get a little worked up. But, um, you know... And then I have some fucking miserable flashbacks too. Um, oh my god, I had a very embarrassing Halloween party I went to one year. So, I have a friend who invites me to a Halloween party. He tells me, oh, it's a ninja-themed Halloween party. I was like, what? Ninja-themed? I'm like, that's kind of stupid. Like, isn't the whole idea of Halloween to wear whatever the hell you want? Like, why would you make somebody... Like, why would you choose somebody's Halloween costume for them? Come to my ninja-themed Halloween party. Kind of stupid. Kind of lame, right? And plus, ninjas? Like, what is a ninja outfit, huh? Like, black pajamas? Black pajamas and a fucking balaclava? Oh, wow. You know? That's not even a costume. That's like my work outfit. (laughs) I'm a thief. But anyway... I'm like, hmm, okay. So I dress up like a ninja. I get this stupid little ninja costume. And I go to the party. Nobody's dressed like a ninja. And I'm looking around. I got my stupid little plastic samurai sword and throwing stars. I'm looking around. I'm like, how come nobody's dressed like a ninja? He's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a ninja-themed party. I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, well, I didn't just fucking pull it out of the fucking blue. Like, this is what the dude told me. My buddy told me it was a ninja-themed party. How come nobody else is dressed up like a ninja? Well, I don't know what to tell you. It's not a ninja-themed party. So I'm standing there like a fucking idiot. The costume sucked. And it was one of those parties where you could tell that the people... It was like... It was like a... It wasn't like an open party. It was like the complete opposite of what I thought it was. It's like, hey, it's this ninja-themed party and it's open to everybody. Turned out it was more like a close family and friend gathering and nobody was particularly happy to see me. Like I felt like an outsider. Like you can tell, like I felt like an unwanted guest. You can kind of tell the people weren't all that happy to have like a random stranger in in their home. Just the way they were looking at me sideways and shit. So I remember I bought some marijuana off one of the dudes and I'm like, peace. And I just dipped. They were smoking weed. I'm like, yo, let me buy a fucking dime off you. So I bought a fucking little fucking grandma marijuana and then I just pieced (laughs) and yeah you know those are some of the sad memories of Halloween (laughs) going forward like in the future I'm gonna make more of an effort to be like uh more involved in Halloween because um you know as I said, I do appreciate it. I do think it's a fun, funky time of year, but I'm, I'm kind of on the sidelines. And uh, I don't know. I want to take more of a step forward in social activities. You know, I've been kind of hermit-like the last few years and kind of to myself, 
which is good and it's kind of what I need at the moment. But I could see myself wanting to be a little bit more festive in those regards, you know, dressing up. Like, I mean, think, like I think back to some of the good times of dressing up. Like, as I mentioned, um, as an actor, you know, I've had my little share of stupid costumes. But I, I've also had a lot of fun. Like, I remember in grade three, like, I, I dressed up, at, like, I wore my mother's dress to school. Yeah, I, I just wore one of my mother's nightgowns to, you know, or maybe it was like a cocktail dress she used to wear. I don't know. But like I wore one of my mother's dresses to school, and I don't even think it was Halloween. I just thought it was funny to like wear my mother's dress. So then I wore my mother's dress to school, and it felt good, and it was funny, and you know, I wouldn't mind getting back to something along those lines, like costume wise, or like if I could wear a costume, like, like if you could dress up like a fucking Pokemon, you know, in the middle of February just for shits and giggles, like I could get down for that. Like, that would be okay, just to break up the monotony, the minutiae, you know? But, I don't know, going forward, I would like to invest a little bit more in... Like, for example, I was going to go on a um, ghost walk. Yeah, just for fun, right? And then I started getting a little bit, like, creeped out by the idea. I'm like, well, I don't know, do I really want to go for a ghost walk by myself? You know what I mean? Like... It seems like something you should do in a family setting, like just a single guy going on a ghost walk. Kind of weird, right? You know those ghost tours where it's like, you get those weirdos who dress up like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever, or like some, you know, you know, whatever, Dracula. They dressed up in some weird little getup and they carry a lantern and they take you for a walk through like haunted areas of the city. I was going to go for a haunted ghost tour. But then I'm like, I don't know, it's a little weird just as like a single guy to go to one of these things. And then like, um, I also started thinking like, if you go for a ghost walk, what if the ghost follows you home? You know, that's like opening a can of worms because it's like, what's stopping this thing from coming home with you? You know, and... I don't know, I just got a little spooked. I'm like, I don't know if I need this in my life. Just some fucking weirdo ghost come into my house, you know? Like, I don't need it. I don't need to be woken up in the middle of the night. Have you ever had those dreams? And these are real dreams. I don't know what they call them. They call them like phantom dreams. Where it's like, you have that dream where you feel like something's pinning you to the bed. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those weird dreams where it's like, you're so terrified you can't move. Or you feel like something's pinning you to the bed. Um, people even called it ghost rape. I mean, I wouldn't go far as to say I got raped by a ghost, but like, I've heard of ghost rape as a thing. Okay, now I'm just getting a little crude, but like, it's true. Have you ever had that thing where it's like a ghost is like pinning you to a bed or you feel like you can't move or you feel like there's some kind of entity hovering over you, hovering over you? It's a very terrifying thing, right? So it's like, I can't be going on no ghost walk, having ghosts follow me home. I'm not even dressing up in a costume, so it's like, you know, but I would like to go forward and find a way back to that innocence, you know, back to that innocence of wearing your mother's dress, you know, going trick-or-treating, like, I just want to get back to that innocence, and I I guess that's something I could look forward to in the future, and, um, but I don't know, um, Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What are you doing for Halloween? Carving a pumpkin? Eating a pumpkin pie? 
breaking into an abandoned asylum. I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, when I was a child, I got hit by a car. And I smashed my leg up. And uh, I had a fractured femur. And I was up in the hospital. And um, a good childhood friend of mine actually brought me candy during Halloween. That was very kind of him. But this hospital in Edmonton, Alberta, St. Charles Hospital or Charles Hospital or something like that, Prince Charles Hospital, this hospital eventually closed. And it was like a abandoned hospital. And you know how eerie a fucking abandoned hospital it was? Is? And people would break into it and, uh, you know, go hunting for ghosts and shit. And, like, this is a real thing that I've been thinking of doing. You know what I mean? So, it's like, I, I tote this strange line of, like, not giving a blood clot, bumble clot fuck about Halloween, but then also wanting to dress up in a, my mother's dress or dress up like a Pokemon or go ghost hunting, you know? I tote this line of, um, you know indifference and then like obsession with Halloween you know like I really you know you know like I'm all into that when I think of like fortune tellers Ouija boards seances ghost hunting like I wouldn't mind trying that shit but yo like you're opening a portal into um another world a superstitious, supernatural world. And do you even really want to open that portal? You know? Like, I was, I'm not even joking about a ghost following you home from a ghost walk. You're going to take me to a scene of a crime where you allege that there are ghosts haunting the, the place. Why would I want to be there? What if this thing clings on to me like a fucking, um, you know, a floating fart or like a, you know, like a dander or like a dandelion? You know when you blow on a dandelion and the spurs go floating off? Sure, it looks cute, but it could be a haunted ghost that's going to follow you home, right? It's not just a careless dandelion. You know, it's the soul of a murderer. So it's like, I don't want that following me home. Or like if you play with a Ouija board or if you break into an abandoned building, like, you know... But I am thinking about these things and it's food for thought and it's it's something positive that I can bring forward into um, my journeys as I go forward in my life, you know, dressing up more for Halloween and, you know, seances. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 31st <laughs> in the year of our Lord, 2019. Have a safe Halloween. Be happy. Be uh, safe, above all. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms concerning anything you heard on this podcast, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think of the supernatural? What do you think about fortune tellers, um, seances, Ouija boards, ghost hunting? What do you think about all that? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm available on multiple platforms, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, my website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. Hit me up at all those locations. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace.